You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M, and today, I brought this up yesterday, and I'm going to kind of stand by it. I really believe that there are keys to win early on this year. And by the end of spring camp, we will know at the Maroon and White game where A&M truly stands entering 2021. But I said three, I meant five. These five things need to happen for Texas A&M to win the SEC and go to the college football playoff next season. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality-sounding podcast, Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout-out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12-man-related content found here on LOP. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day, because every single day is a Locked on Aggies podcast day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. The gap between A&M and Alabama is significantly closer than I think people want to give credit for. Don't get me wrong, Alabama right now still is the SEC West King. And deservingly so. They're coming off of a national title win. They're coming off of a number one recruiting class. And they still have the probably biggest potential reason they've been successful in the building. Nick Saban. However, when looking at the history of the SEC, it always comes down to usually two or three teams. And I think going into this year, a lot of people had their doubts. To me, Florida's out. Like, Florida is out of the conversation. They're not involved. They're not there. I like Emory Jones. I think that he can be a good quarterback. There's a lot of friends of mine that, you know, work in this industry that are actually Florida-based writers. And I think he's fantastic. But I'm not sold. I'm just not. You you can't lose Trayvon Grimes, Kadarius Toney, and Kyle Pitts all in a season and a new quarterback and go, oh, yeah, we're going to be fine. And what are they losing? Five defensive players? Defense I'm not really worried about because Florida's always been really good at replenishing the defense. But those offensive weapons... They made Kyle Trask a Heisman finalist. They made Kyle Trask a potential early pick in the NFL draft, and he probably is better as a fifth-rounder, sixth-rounder. I mean, that's really what we're talking about here when we're talking about Kyle Trask. And we're talking about this Florida team. It's Georgia, A&M, and Alabama. Georgia, because they have the right coach. And they have always had the right coach in Kirby Smart. I think Alabama, because they have the right coach in Nick Saban, and also, they have a number one recruiting class. A&M, because they have the right coach in Jimbo Fisher, but they have a veteran roster returning defensively to make up for the lack of offensive production that could start early in the season. That is where this conversation begins. What are the five key tools for A&M to be successful in 2021 and be the top team? in the SEC West, go to Atlanta, probably play Georgia, and win the SEC for the very first time since joining the conference in 2012. 
All right, number five. Let's just start it off. It starts with realizing it's a brand new offense. I don't think enough people realize how many pieces are going to be shifted around. It's not just you're losing Kellen Mond. You're losing his offensive line. And I brought this up yesterday. I think going into the year, Kenyon Green needs to be the left tackle. Because you could be a guard at the next level. You could be a right tackle at the next level. You could be a center at the next level. It doesn't really matter. In my opinion, right now, your two best blockers in college need to be your center and your left tackle. They have to be. And Dan Moore did a good job. He also had a lot of help from Kenyon Green. And I think Green has the most upside to be one of the best players in the SEC this season. Even though he's never taken a snap at left tackle. But you lose then your left guard, your center, your right guard, and your right tackle. You're losing pieces left and right. And you're losing Kellen Mann. And you already saw last year that with Jamon Osmond gone, the receiving core hurt. It is a new offense. You're bringing in new guys. You're hopefully seeing production from older guys start to come back, like a Hezekiah Jones going up next year, a Demond Demas taking that next step next year, a Chase Lane building off a successful season, a guy like Baylor Cup you hope is going to be healthy enough so you can run two tight end sets. The one thing is you have an, uh, a running game. You have a very good running game with three different players, all of which can be successful in their own pathway. You have Anaya Smith, who is, in my opinion, the Kadarius Tony of 2021. I, I've said that multiple times on this podcast. I'll say it again. Anias Smith is going to be the breakout player next year for AM. I think he is the best player for AM on this team. I think he is the most offensive weaponry, what you need in today's system to be successful type of player for the Aggies. You have your ground and pound guy in Isaiah Spiller. Now, Spiller's skill set does not make him less of a name than a guy like Devon A. Chain or a guy like Anaya Smith. It just means his skill sets are best used in this similar formation. There's nothing wrong with that. In today's NFL, you have players who legitimately make $10 million being third down backs, being pass catchers, being swing guys, being scat backs, doing what Darren Sproles has done. I mean, James White is one of the most productive players in the NFL on third down, and he barely touches the ball as a rusher. You just know what you have in Isaiah Spiller. And to me, that is a great run-pounding running back who will move the ball between the trenches and has good speed in the open field. Then you have Devon A-Chain, pure speed. You can play him the slot. You can play him on, you know, an option. You can play him on jet sweeps. I think he'll do fantastic. Because once he gets to that second level, good luck stopping him. That track speed that he has also allows him to have a bit of an advantage when it comes to hitting the corner. Because if he's running on the routes, and he's running on the track around the bend. He knows where to kick it in the next gear. So you have that. But you got to figure out the quarterback position. You got to figure out the offensive line position. So Daryl Dickey and Jimbo Fisher, in my opinion, basically, and this is going to sound really rude, but I don't really care. They need to dumb down the offense for the first two weeks. 
figure out the basis of your offense, and get the ball rolling. Know what you're going to do on offense before the SEC season is at an all-time high. I mean, think about this. Your first three games are Kent State in Denver at Colorado and home against New Mexico before you take on Arkansas in Arlington at the Southwest Classic. Those are your three games. In those three games, you can figure out who is your quarterback, where are your best five offensive linemen, and more than that, who is your true number one receiver. All things you need to be successful next season, in my opinion. So, Daryl Dickey, Jimbo Fisher, you may want to spend the entire offseason building this team to be the same offense that it was last season. You can't do that. I'm sorry. You have to make sure that the players who understand the basic knowledge of what you're trying to run, options, counters, quick hits, uh, slant routes, comebacks, they're precise and accurate against these weaker opponents because of once they play these top-tier teams, such as an Auburn, such as an Alabama, such as a Georgia, you're not going to have that ability to just dumb it down and figure it out. So do it early, so that way you know these are our starting 11. These are our 12-man personnel when we need them. You have three positions set right now, in my opinion. You have every single play, you will have Anaya Smith on the field somehow. Isaiah Spiller will be on the field, and I'm going to go with Jalen Weidemeyer. Those three are set on 11-man sets. Everyone else, figure it out. You have three weeks at the start of the year to get the ball moving and figure out what direction this team is going to look like going into 2021. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar. Now you know the Built Bar codes of the past 12 original flavors, plus now you can have their six new flavors, including Cherry Barcia, Apple Almond Crisp, and Lemon Almond Cheesecake. The bars, they're actually more like candy bars than they are protein bars because they're covered in actual 100% real chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. Plus, they're great for someone on the keto diet looking to either keep the weight that they're at or even lose some weight because they're low in calories, low in sugar, high in fiber, high in protein. At the start of the year, I worked out every single day before I got COVID. I already told the story, but I've lost seven pounds gained about four pounds of muscles, and it started with a peanut butter protein bar because it has 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, five grams of sugar, five grams of net carbs. There's not a product like this whenever you go to the gym, and they always overprice it. So when you go to BuiltBar.com, tell us that we sent you and use the promo code LOCKEDON20, LOCKEDON20. Don't forget the two zero to save 20% off your next purchase. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. There's more sports in the world than just Aggie sports, but you probably don't want to listen to every single podcast here to get your daily dosage. So why not listen to Locked on Today, our brand new show here at the Locked on Podcast Network with Peter Bukowski as the host. Peter breaks down all major sporting news, including things going on in the college football realm, NFL, NBA, MLB, and of course, NHL. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast listening systems. All right, so the number one reason 
for AM to be successful is they dumb down the offense week one, two, and three to figure out who their starters are. Number two, and this is a big number two for me, establishing a number one wide receiver. Plain and simple. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to go much into detail on this one. There's so many more out there. But you look at the snap count last year, it was pretty even between receivers outside of Hezekiah Jones because if he was injured at the start of the year. And Jones might have been the best consistent receiver for the Aggies. Jones missed about half the season, and he finished the year with 18 catches, 178 yards, 9.9 yards per catch, but he didn't have a touchdown. Chase Lane finished with two touchdowns, played in every single game, had 409 yards, averaged 14.1 yards per catch, and I think he had uh, 29 catches. Yeah. Caleb Chapman played in three games. He had almost 200 yards. He was third on the team in touchdowns, and he only had 14 catches. Do you see the problem here? There wasn't a true number one receiver. The number one receiver for A&M last year was Anaya Smith out of the backfield as your gadget player. And I don't think that that's going to be the option in 2021. Yeah, he's going to be very successful, and he's actually mentioned on this list as one of the key reasons, and I'll get to that in a minute, but you need a number one receiver. You need that vertical threat. You need that guy who you're going to trust because of at a young core like A&M, you watch Kellen Mond adapt to working with different receivers over his four years. His always number one target was Jamon Osmond. He built that connection. He built that rapport. He built that first read to know, that's my guy. That's who I go to. If he's open, I'm taking a shot. And maybe that is Demond Demas. I hope it is Demond Demas. He's a former five-star recruit who played at a ridiculous level before being, uh, you know, not being able to play due to the UIL rules in Texas at Tomball High. He was a superstar. And... He impressed with his vertical, his agility, his speed down the Polynesian Bowl, and he didn't play last year, and it's a little disappointing, but at the same time, there has to be a reason he did not play. There has to be something. So for A&M, definitely, they have to play him this year. It has to happen this year, hands down, without a question. Now the question is, is he the number one? Can Caleb Chapman be the number one? At the start of the year, Chapman looked to be that guy. He was the most physical. He was the most vertically sound. He was the one who found ways to get open. And he had, in my opinion, the cleanest footwork. Can he return from a torn ACL and do it again? That's my next question. Chase Lane. Lane is a good perimeter receiver. I think that he does very well in the open field. That about 10-12 range. I don't think that I saw enough of him this year to where he broke free a place. Because I think he only had two plays, two or three plays, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, over, yeah, 40 yards. Yeah, he had a, he had a 51-yard catch. I remember that one. That was against Mississippi State. That was one of his touchdowns. I think he had another one that was like a 42-yarder. It was mostly short slant routes, you know, comebacks, out routes, 12 yards, 9 yards. And he was really tackled right afterwards or went out of bounds. So you need to impress there. Jalen Preston. He's still part of the system. Hezekiah Jones did really well in the slot. Is he going to be your primary slot receiver? Or can one of these younger guys, like a Muhammad the third step up now that Dylan Wright is gone? 
you got to establish a number one receiver. The good news is, is that every single one of these players I just named, Jones, Chapman, Lane, Demas, Preston, uh, Muhammad, all of them have the bare chance of being the number one guy. But you've got to figure it out fast. Reason number three, this is the biggest one that I don't think enough people are talking about. Scheduling game times. The biggest one of all is Alabama. Is it going to be the night game? Everyone in their mother knows going into this year, probably after what happened last season, how Alabama beat AM by 28 points in Brian Denny Stadium. That was a different team week two than it was week 10. Very different team. This season, the Alabama AM game is right in the middle of the season. There's 12 games in every year. It's number five, October 9th. Afterwards, you have Missouri, South Carolina, Auburn, Ole Miss, uh, LSU, and Prairie View A&M. Those are your last games. Depending on how that game goes, I think really dictates not just one, the outcome of the SEC West, but two, A&M's confidence level. A&M, they play really well at night. They do. They also are, in my opinion, going to be undefeated going into that game. They're not going to lose to Kent State. They're not going to lose to Colorado. They're not going to lose to New Mexico. They're not going to lose to Arkansas. I don't think they will lose to Mississippi State, even though I do think Will Rogers will have a better year. So that means that's five games. This is the midpoint. You either go out and you get a big-time win over Nick Saban, which would be the first for Jimbo Fisher, and would be the first for AM since 2012 when Kevin Sumlin did it in College Station. But if it's a 2.30 kickoff, does that bode in favor of Alabama a little bit more? Maybe. If it's a 7 p.m. kickoff, does that bode in favor of AM a little bit more? Perhaps. It's really going to be based off quarterback play going into that week five, uh, six game. You're six weeks into the season. But, this is the big but, I think when you look at this A&M roster, it matches very well with a- with Alabama. Very well. Now, they're good recruiting class, both top 10, both have needs on the offensive line, both need to figure out the quarterback situation, Bill O'Brien still is not that great. What? Just kidding. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. I, I, I really don't know what to make of that hire. Long story short... Both these teams could be coming in undefeated and their season could be decided with this game. I think LSU is a year away from being back into that conversation of really top 10. You don't have Georgia on your schedule and you have Auburn, who I think will be better than people are giving credit to with Brian Harson, but that does not mean that they're going to be this team that was exactly where they were last year. Not even close, in my opinion. So I take all that and I put it down. I look at the I look at the stats, and I say if it's a night game for A and M, that plays significantly more into their favor than if it was a day game at A and M. Why? Because the night game, I always think gives the home team an advantage. So if it's a night game for A and M, 
I don't see them potentially losing a game next year if King, Calzada, or Stauer can prove they are truly the guy. The MLB season is almost back. We have college basketball going into conference tournaments, and of course, the NCAA tournament is right around the corner. That means bets are going to be at an all-time high. So when you go place your money down, make sure you go to the one place we love and the one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag gives you the best payouts, the best lines, and the best bets every single day. Plus, if you visit them on social media at BetOnline underscore AG, they will give you highlight and top information every single hour to make sure you walk away a winner. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action with this deal when you sign up at BetOnline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. BetOnline.ag your online sportsbooks experts. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson, back for action, talking all things Texas A&M. Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked on NBA Draft Podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and a full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe to Locked On NBA Draft wherever you get your podcast listing systems. All right, number two thing that needs to happen for a to be successful. I believe, plain and simple, you need to have Anaya Smith go for 2,000 total yards of offense. That's just it. He's too dangerous to be used as this hoity, you know, backup kind of running back because he was so good as a slot receiver last season, I mean, in his, in his first year at A&M in 2019. He was so good, he challenged both Jamon Osmond and Courtney Davis for reps consistently and basically overshot Cameron Buckley on the team. So, yeah, that's 100% where I would start. After that, he went to running back. And he showed that he can run the ball. He didn't have 1,000 rushing yards, but he was pretty decent. I think he averaged, what was it? Um... I think he averaged like seven yards per play. He had four rushing touchdowns. Yeah, 200, almost 300 yards on the year. So, he's a versatile guy. But you watched Florida's offense this past year with a quarterback that did not really know what he was doing, didn't really have to worry about starting at first because of Felipe Franks was the main guy. He gets hurt. Trask comes in, makes a huge name for himself last year, built all the success going into this year immensely, and is considered by many as a Heisman finalist, which he was, but I mean like truly a finalist, like one of the top two names on that list, overshadowing Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence. It was between him and Devonta Smith, basically. That was who the Heisman Trophy was going to go to this year. I look at that, and it just shows me that a young quarterback can be successful, even if they've barely played. Keep in mind, Manville High School is right outside of Houston, which is where I'm, you know, located right now. He did not play Trask until the end of his senior year and basically got a preferred walk-on scholarship at Florida because the starting quarterback was Derek King at Miami. Yeah. Now he didn't play while he was at Florida until 2019 when Franks got hurt. If you're going to tell me that a young quarterback who has barely had the starting role cannot be successful, Kyle Trask is the anomaly. 
But the reason he was successful is because he had a good offensive line. Not a great, but a good. He had terrible defense. He had great weapons. But he had a gadget player. And gadget players are interesting because of, I think a lot of people are trying to limit them to one thing, one side, one you know location. And I'm like, just let them play. Let them play in the open field. Let them be successful. Whatever they can do downfield, that's what they do. They want to run the ball, they run the ball. If they want to be a pass catcher, let them be a pass catcher. I think you could have Smith go for 1,200 total passing yards, receiving yards, and he could go for 800 rushing yards. You just got to use him right. Let him play the option. Let him play the pitches. Let him go towards the outside to off the C-gap corner and then work back in the middle. Because he can make defenders miss in the middle, but when you put him in that A and B gap, if he's hit initially, it's done. But if you put him in that C gap or that B C gap area where the tackle completely shoves out the defensive lineman, creating a hole, if they can get the linebacker, that's a gain of seven. That's a gain of nine. You consistently move the ball like that. I think Smith can be exactly what Tony was for the Aggies. Plain and simple. That's just me. But the number one thing, the number one thing that I think will stop AM from being successful in 2021, who's the quarterback? Simple. It really is that simple. Who is going to be your quarterback? Figure it out. You have three options here, and all three I think can work. I think when you saw Mac Jones this year win a freaking national championship, after being the third stringer behind Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa, talent can come in any shape or form. Everyone wants to say, oh, you need to be a mobile quarterback. You need to, need to do all that. Yeah, you do, but you don't. It's all based off scheme. It's all based off fit. It's all based off play calling. It's all based off, you know, the accuracy. It's all based off how quickly they can get the ball out of their hands. That's all you need to be a successful quarterback. If the system works for you, you work with it, and it worked for Mac Jones. So if AM wants to go with a more dual threat option, let him go with Eli Stower. Let Stower be a let Stower get in the conversation. Let him have his chance to play. Let him potentially be the guy. I don't think that that's what they're gonna do. But if they want, go with it. If Dicky wants the prototypical kind of guy, go with Zach Calzada. He's been in the system for two years. He has a decent arm. He comes from football background. He definitely has a rapport with some of these receivers who are a little older because if he's been there a little bit longer than King. But if you want to go with the hybrid, go with King. King coming out of Longview was the number one pocket passing quarterback. But if you watch his feet, he moves immensely well outside the pocket as a runner. That does not mean he's going to rush for you know 600 yards a game. Kellen Mond... I think was number three on the team in rushing last year, and that's because of A-Chain broke out late. But Kellen Mann was, at one point, the team's number two rusher in 2019. He's not going to be that guy. But what he can be is he can move outside the pocket, create space, watch downfield while watching the defensive line attacking him, hold for his opportunity, and deliver a strike to the receiver for a gain of 9, 10, 14. You don't always have to be the deep play. You can do all of that. 
I think that that's where A&M goes. You figure out the quarterback situation. You establish that Anias Smith is your number one weapon. He's not a running back. He is not a uh, wide receiver. He is a weapon. You get the night game against Alabama. You continue to build that defense. But that really wasn't one of the ones I said. Establish a number one receiver. And dumb down the offense early on to figure out which 12-man personnel is going to work for you. A&M could be undefeated. I have no doubt in my mind that they could be undefeated in 2021. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Bearing anything tomorrow for the first time in over a month. Texas A&M will have played the basketball game. We'll be discussing everything that happened against Mississippi State. See you then. And remember, Giga Mio. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.